welcome to the Passion Fit Coaching podcast. This podcast is hosted by my husband, Tom Ward, and it is produced and directed by professional athlete Lydia Dant. Tom is our Passion Fit Coaching strategy... No, what are you again? What are you you actually? Coaching strategy creator. So whilst we're trying to figure out the finer details of what Tom's title really means, sit back and enjoy the podcast. Why we all need to be micromanaged. You might not like it, but the reality is, I believe, we believe that we did. Yeah. That micromanagement is an essential part and have accomplished journey. You might not like, but you need. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, we're going to show you how to like it. Not just like it. Love it. We're going to show you how to love it. So welcome to episode 17. 17. Episode 17 of the Passion Fit Coaching Podcast. I can't Podcast. wait to hit episode 100. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's about 83 episodes away, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> That's over a year away. Yeah, it depends. Well, not if we do more than one a week. week. It's not, no. Okay, so, um, uh, yeah, so episode 17 of the Passion Fit Coaching Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about micromanagement. micromanagement. Now, this is a topic that we raised um, with our community athletes, um, I don't know, a couple of months ago off the back of a conversation that Lydia and I had had about this process. And we're going to cover two topics actually today. We're going to talk about micromanagement and we're going to talk about micro-coaching. Um, they're slightly different. The micro-coaching is a word or a phrase that we just made up um, about, what, two weeks ago, three yeah, weeks ago? Um, and we're going to explain why we believe both are important and, in fact, both are essential. Um, now, and try and help sort of dispel and get rid of some of the toxicity and frustration and sort of fear that people attach, particularly to the micromanagement piece. Yeah, because I think, I mean, people hear the word micromanagement and immediately the connotation is quite negative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they're so, like, I don't want to be micromanaged, or they feel like it's a bad thing. Yeah. So go on then, because, um, you know, I'm probably, as, an, as, a, as a, an individual in terms of my experience, particularly in the corporate world, I probably come from a long-standing or long-standing roles of being a micromanager of micromanager of some form or another whereas you might fall more you've done a bit of micromanagement but you yeah. might have fallen more on the other side of this line as well a little bit more than I did well, yeah. so do you want to tell us so why do you think Lids, that micromanagement is something that people almost have this almost have a bit of a panicky reaction to hearing when they think they're going to be micromanaged or they yeah they, they when they hear the phrase everyone has this negative connection to it so I think for a lot of people, they think of it as um, they'll be, they're going to be told what to do. Um, they don't have autonomy. They're going to be controlled. They don't have any sort of influence over the decision-making process. Yeah. And it's quite interesting because we've both been in the corporate world, but at very different times. Yeah. And like we're married, and different industries. Yeah, well. really different yeah. industries. And um, it's quite interesting from the side that I worked in quite a few different roles um, whilst I was at Seven Trent Water. And the overarching culture when I was was there was around um, not micromanaging. Yeah. Like actually having autonomy, empowerment, go off and make make your own decisions, yeah. go go and make things happen. And in some departments that works really well, and in others it doesn't at all. So it's actually like for me, I've been kind of in that culture where micromanagement has been discouraged rather than encouraged, yeah. Um, yeah. and not seen as a positive yeah. thing. And. Actually, like I've had different experiences of it because I did have one manager at one point where 
it was it was controlling and not conducive. Yeah. Like it was to the point where the behaviour and the, the way it was micromanaged was um, yeah almost like quite quite derogatory. Like yeah. it, it wasn't that level of I yeah. didn't trust didn't trust that as any level of competence yeah. um, in what I was doing. Whereas other other managers that I had, and also like the way that you and I work, yeah. like micromanagement is actually quite different. Like I find it quite liberating and empowering. Um, in terms of, like, I think that's just mainly because I'm just awesome. That is a deliberate awkward silence as well. <laughs> Don't worry, the audio hasn't stopped. <laughs> um, no, just in like like for me, where like sometimes just having someone else to, I, mm. I do crack on like as much as I can and like make make the days run like obviously I running yeah like the business yeah. um my professional athletic career um the race team and other things yeah. like that but more it's just having someone there just to help cross-check things yeah so it's not a hindrance or like I'm being yeah um like undermined in what yeah. I'm doing it's yeah. more actually just it helps me give you that peace of mind because yeah. one of the things that I find the hardest it's yeah. around just making sure I've cross-checked, yeah. dot the I's, cross the T's, and then shut off properly yeah. at the back okay. of the day. So let's just rewind a little bit there, because, you know, I think there's a few things that you said about your experiences of micromanagement in the past and re- recently that we can we can connect to that will help explain where we're coming from and hopefully for people to understand. So you talked about a culture where micromanagement was discouraged. Yeah. yeah? Now, I worked in retail banking through a, a, a period of time, so, so I talked about this before, 17 years, one and a half decades, um, where perhaps you know, micromanagement was something that was very encouraged, very much part of the culture. And then further down the line where it was discouraged and it was considered to be damaging to the development, progression and performance of the teams that we worked in, but probably never really went away. It was just that we said it had gone away. Whereas prior to that, we just said that we loved doing it or we were going to do it. And what's quite interesting is that often, you know, a, a lot of, first of all, I think there's, there's what we're going to talk, well, what we're largely going to talk about is that actually micromanagement is always part of an accomplished journey. It just depends a lot on who's doing it. But of course, you also reference the motivation behind doing it. So of course, some people are doing it to provide support. They're, provi- they're doing it because they're trying to help you to achieve your goals or the goals that you have signed up to commit to if you work for an organization, you know, like you know, you might work for an organisation where the organisation's goals aren't, you know, fundamentally your goals, but you have signed the contract to say you'll make them your goals. That's kind of how it works, right? So you take the pay. In exchange for the pay, you do your best to hit the objectives the company asks you to hit. That's how jobs work. A lot of people do fail to understand that, I think, quite a lot these days, (laughs) don't they? You know, they're like, no, no, I also want motivation and I want to feel valued and I want to... um, I want the company to do things the way I see, see I see it to be appropriate. So I want it to align with my values and all that. That's not kind of how jobs work. Jobs kind of, <laughs> people will probably shoot me down for this again, but in my <laughs> eyes, it's like, we pay you, therefore you do what it says in the contract. That's how it works, right? That the, Your motivation is the money. That's the point. I get it. I understand. I've been a bit flippant and a bit cynical, but there is there is a there's probably maybe a bit more about that that people ought to take on board these days than maybe they often do you know i, I certainly saw a cultural shift in, in the time that i worked in the corporate world and i definitely came from a culture of duty and responsibility rather than rights and entitlements you know and, and in fact we've actually found this haven't we were trying to scale passion fit and the team yeah there's definitely an element of people you know inquiring about being part of what we do 
even when they're going to basically get it for free and their inquiries often focus a lot on what they're going to get rather than what they can give yeah. yeah and this happens a lot with companies you know i've spoken to a lot of friends recently in the corporate world and they find the same problem you know there's not a lot of focus on okay i want the money what do i need to do to earn the money just tell me what i've got to do rather it's i want the money and i also want all this other stuff too please yeah anyway we digress i'm ranting but that's good because i've had more feedback this week to tell me that they enjoyed my rant last oh, really? week yeah so that's good is it just from the same people? It's 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 <laughs> primarily from the same person, but okay. Um, that's okay. Um, I trust this person's judgment, and I'm more than happy with that one person's feedback. So that's okay. Bias. Yeah, we don't have that many listeners, so one's quite a big percentage. Actually, if you look at our stats, the listener base is growing. Week oh, is it? Week. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I okay. It's quite a healthy um, growth. Okay, that's excellent. Anyway, so um, I better not mess up today then, have I? I don't, we don't want to lose anybody. So there's there's a bit around. The motivation isn't there around the micromanagement. The person who's micromanaging you, why are they micromanaging you? Are they micromanaging you because they're trying to help you? They're trying to make sure you don't make mistakes. They're trying to help you develop, grow, evolve, you know, move closer towards the objectives that you're striving to achieve or you're expected to achieve. Or are they doing it because they just want to control you mm-hmm. or belittle you or make themselves look important? You know, what is it they want to do? They want to embarrass you, shame you. And of course, the motivation is really important. You know, and I've been micromanaged by you know, a lot of people in my corporate career. And some people I really enjoy being micromanaged by. In fact, some people to the point where I almost seeked it out. You know, I had one manager who used to get quite fed up with me asking for one-to-ones um, because... Um, you know, I was going through a period where I was doing quite well. I was always asking for one-to-ones and visits to my, my team um, and days observation days from, from him. And he kind of was like, look, I'd probably need to spend my time a little bit more with the teams that aren't doing so well. Um, <laughs> and I, because I really liked yeah. him getting into the detail with me. But I also had other managers who were really, really, you know, just deliberately awful about the process and were doing it largely just to make me look stupid or you know shame me or embarrassing me and of course even then you know, there is sometimes you do need to make people feel challenged and comfortably challenged to get them to to do to do what they need to do or to to make maybe make them realize that there's things they need to sort out and you know there have been occasions where we've been through that process with you Liz and yeah. like you know I've had to challenge you quite hard and you know that's part of you know, coaching and developing people, it's part of being coached and developed. But so but the motivation of behind the choice to micromanage is a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then the other is that you, you sort of talked about the fact that in Seven Trent Water, the, the culture around micromanagement was one that was discouraged. And in my latter days in retail banking, in Lloyd's Banking Group, the same thing. You know, you 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 know, if you implied that you were micro gonna micromanage or you did micromanage, then it was generally deemed to be something quite toxic, quite damaging, and often was associated with things like performance improvement or poor leadership. Mm-hmm. Those were the two things. So if you were being micromanaged, it was often linked to performance improvement or performance management. If you were doing the micromanagement, often it was just deemed to be because you were a poor leader. But even when, this is this is where I, this, this is where, this is what came out of our conversation, wasn't it? Even when autonomy is passed back to individuals and they're not micromanaged, the reality is, this is what I see as the reality. The reality is that somebody's still got a micromanaging somewhere. And it might be that that person's not being micromanaged by their, you know, their line manager, as it were, but they are being micromanaged by themselves. Yeah. The, the, the bottom line is you cannot move forwards in a journey 
if you're not executing some element of micromanagement over yourself. So it might be that somebody else, somebody else might not be doing it, but fundamentally somebody's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Someone has to. Otherwise, we would just go through the day with this scattergun approach to things and there would be no order, there'd be no patterns, there'd be no organisation. It would just be, well, let's just see how it goes, right? So, and actually, I think we probably fail to recognise that we micromanage ourselves far more than we realise. So even, let's say, organising your kit for a, a race, mm. you're micromanaging that process, aren't yeah. you? You're, 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 you're making a list, you're, you're checking it, you're checking it again, you're checking it again. Yeah. Um, you know, how many times do we check our transition bags if we're triathletes? Yeah, quite a lot. Yeah. We take we, photos of it. <laughs> we take photos of them, we check the photos, yeah? That's micromanagement, yeah? yeah? Um, you're not just going, oh, well, you know, chucking your stuff in your run bag and then going, job done, and then forgetting about it, yeah? you have a process when you have if you have a diary mm-hmm. like if you just have a diary of the things that you've got to do like at certain times of the day or meeting that's micromanage it's still micromanage in the process right you're not just trying to remember what meetings you've got or having them when you feel like it if you um have a to-do list or a, a system of prioritization that's micromanagement for every triathlete that uses an online training platform yeah. Either they are being micromanaged by a coach or micromanaged by themselves. Yeah. If they coach themselves, aren't they? Exactly, yes. Yeah. And the reality is people that don't micromanage that process generally don't tend to make great progress. Now, and even if you don't use an online training platform, think about it for a second. You're almost certainly micromanaging your training, but in your head. You might have enough intuition and awareness to be able to remember what you've done and you're going to do. Even when I first started triathlon, I had a little notebook that I used. Yeah. And I could just log log to all my sessions and what I'd done and how I felt in it. Yeah. Um, so it's still a form of yeah. micromanagement. It is, exactly. So I think when we shy away from this, as, as either in terms of micromanaging ourselves or asking somebody else to step in and support with that, then I think we potentially run the risk of self-sabotaging our journey or sabotaging our own journeys and maybe the journeys of others as well if we refuse to do it. Now... As I said, there's a way of doing it that's important. You know, we mustn't do it in a way that is designed to belittle people or make people feel uncomfortable unnecessarily. I mean, sometimes it might be necessary to make them feel uncomfortable if they're falling short of some standards, especially if they're disorganised and they're making mistakes. But a lot of the time, it's about how we frame it and our perspective of the process that really matters. Um, And, you know, I think one of the interesting things about you in particular, Lids, is that you actually quite like an element of micromanagement in your journey i don't know if i'm talking about turn there i no, mean I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure i'm right about that yeah, but no, that's, yeah. that is correct yeah yeah um and um you know you like having because we have but that's because the relationship we have as a coach and athlete and obviously in the in the corporate environment you're in or the business environment you know i i guess i i, I argue that i'm your coach there too yes yeah, yeah. yeah and obviously you because we have that trust and we know that my only motivation, my only goal is to help you improve and move closer towards your potential every day and make sure you don't regress or make mistakes um, or miss opportunities. You don't mind me micromanaging you, even if that leads to an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. Which is still the minority of the time. Yeah. 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 Okay. But that's the key word there is yeah. there's that trust piece. Yeah. But also the other thing from my perspective as a coach that's really important is that you're not dependent on the micromanagement. Yeah. Because that's also important, is that, you know, you aren't using me as a safety net 
to make sure that you don't. So like, well, it's okay because if I get it wrong or I forget to do this or I don't do that well, because Tom is happy to micromanage me, um, he'll pick it up. Yeah, because that's not the deal, is it? No, 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 no not at all. That's not, that's not the arrangement. And that's quite important to be mindful of as well, is that micromanagement isn't an excuse as a coachee for you to not be tight to the detail. Now, a lot of you might still be out there thinking, oh, well, you know, no, I don't agree, I don't agree, I don't agree. And of course, some of that might just be semantics as well. Yeah. You know, what we mean by the word, you know. But I still think, I do still think that when framed appropriately, when, when the right perspective is chosen, relationships have the appropriate level of respect and trust. And there's a, there's a shared agenda, a shared goal, and a shared level of commitment to that goal, that micromanagement's only a good thing. Yeah. You know, it's only a good thing. And in fact, I actually try quite hard to discourage you from asking me to micro... I try and show you how to micromanage yourself quite a lot, don't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. By working out the processes to implement myself. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. I don't have that dependency as such and yeah. know that I've done what I need to, but I'm also progressing. Yeah. Like, so there's a continual progression forwards and you can actually help me with that rather than just, like, like you said, the safety net piece. Yeah, exactly. So... I think you know, we've obviously talked in previous podcasts about the way that we coach people. And of course, we focus very much on certain behaviours that we ex- we expect people to execute well, behaviours that we believe, if executed effectively, will allow people the greatest chance of unlocking their potential on an ipsative basis. So on a progressive basis based on their start point and potential. And then just, just recap on what those are and maybe just explain how they connect quite well to micromanagement because they actually do connect so the first of our our core behaviors is effective goal setting you know is making sure that you set goals effectively and we won't go into the detail around that or the doorbell's just gone so um the dog's probably just about to come running through in the background no that's low that's not Logan. that's lauren (laughs) and there goes the dog um so um effective goal setting is the first of our core behaviors and you know, it's really important that that's done with an element of micromanagement in the fact, in the sense that the details got to be tight. You know, these goals got to be watertight, haven't they? They've got to be watertight around their timelines, their, their, their measures. They've got to be watertight around your level of motivation to achieve those goals, which is the second core behavior, your level of commitment. Yeah? And you have to keep reviewing those goals continuously and assessing your progression towards them to be able to determine whether or not they're, they're still appropriate, that you're getting your processes right, your behaviours right. And so you're almost continuously, even when, when you're setting the goal, you're micromanaging the setting of the goal. And then when you're moving towards the goal, you're micromanaging the um, the cycle uh, of plan, uh, do, review, aren't you? Yeah. So, Oh, excuse me one second. Lauren, is that my decathlon order, is it? it is, yeah. God, I love decathlon, <laughs> haven't you? You know, decathlon's like, no matter what, decathlon's great. No matter what you say. They sell oh, inflatable boats. I know, I've been in there today. Yeah, it's quite cool. Yeah. So, I um, saw the boat. Um, Lydia and I are off to, to, to Lanzarote uh, tomorrow. No, uh, not tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. So, day after oh. tomorrow, but we're just <laughs> stopping up on, uh, stocking up on a few decathlon accessories for our camp. Anyway, so, um, so the first or the first two of our core behaviours are effective goal setting and your level of commitment towards those goals. And you do need to micromanage that process. You can't just haphazardly set an ambiguous goal or one that isn't tight 
Um, you know, we use the acronym IPSATIV for that for setting goals. And um, one of those is the P is precise. The goal needs to be precise, for example, which means you've got to manage it tightly. It's got to be trackable, right? So there's an element of micromanagement coming into those two things. Um, and your level of commitment, you know, needs to be managed, maybe micromanaged day to day. You know, where am I? Am I committed enough? Actually, no, I'm not. So do I need to revisit my goal? Well, no, I'm not. Do I need to do something about that? What, what might it be? So there's always micromanagement going on there. And then, of course, the next two core behaviours in the passion fit world are control of the controllables and prior, effective prioritisation. The five Ds in our case. And of course, there's loads of prioritisation models out there. You know, I'm quite familiar with the five Ds. If you want to know what the fifth D is, if you're thinking, oh, I know the five Ds, but I know the four Ds. The fifth D is the diddly do's. And this is again being covered on previous podcasts. The little jobs, the jobs that are less than five minutes long that you all procrastinate over doing. Yeah. Lydia, do you do that? Is it what I coined a new phrase the other day, didn't you I? You did. Do you want to tell people what the new phrase was? What are you? Yeah, I'm a stacker, not a chipper. You're a do- job stacker, not a job chipper. Yeah. So rather than chipping away at the diddlies, what you do is you like up. stacking them up until they become, so you've got a five minute job and rather than do the five minute job, you'd rather stack up maybe 20 of these. Yeah. Yeah. So that we've got like loads to do. Loads to do. Yeah. So you're quite, to be fair, you're actually very good at that. So I guess in one... <laughs> oh, that's not a good thing because it doesn't help my Depends if you like having lots of jobs to do. I don't, funnily no. enough. <laughs> so, but it, you know, anyway, so the, the diddlies is a, is, a, is a phrase we use because actually you'd be amazed at how much difference it can make to your time management ability and your ability to prioritise and stay on top of your to-do list if you do the little jobs immediately, you know, the second you think of them. Uh, for the triathletes that are listening, which is probably everybody, um, a good example is you're out on a ride, uh, something breaks, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll order that when I get home. And actually, you're going to have a toilet break or a stop for some nutrition anyway. You've all got the Wiggle app, right? Yeah. You've all got... Wiggle Plus. Wiggle Plus, next day <laughs> delivery for the whole year. You could just do it then, right? And we don't, for some bizarre reason. Well, no, I do. I don't. But you don't, Lydia, do you? I do. So, so what Lydia does stuff. is she writes a note to remind her to do it. It takes her as long to write the note as it would have done to just order it. Yeah, because I'm a procrastinator. <laughs> procrastinator, yeah, you are. You actually are. Right? I am. Yeah. So um, I'd like to think it's because you don't like spending money, but even if it was free, you still probably wouldn't do it. So um, I think, so anyway, that's the diddly do's. So, so we digress. So this, this, the third and the fourth core behaviour, core accomplishment behaviour in Passion Fit are control of the controllables and effective prioritisation. And of course, again, prioritisation fundamentally is a micromanagement process, isn't it? Yeah, basically. It, it, what else is it other than a micromanagement process? Now, of course, prioritisation, you know, systems don't work unless you're, if you, unless you, <laughs> here we go, unless you manage yourself to actually do them. Yeah? Yeah. Um, and... The same with the controllables. You know, if you don't manage yourself to make sure the controllables are controlled, it, it, it's an irrelevant process. So both of those are still dependent on an in a, a, a internally motivated level of micromanagement. Agreed? Agreed. Okay, cool. Yep. I'm glad we agree. That's good. So this is really important. So and it, so in Passion Fit, if, just as a reminder, we actually measure the progression and accomplishment of our athletes or num- most of our athletes on their ability to execute these behaviours. So when we look at their week, particularly for the athletes I coach, what I'm looking at is those behaviours. You know, 
how have you ex- how well have you executed those behaviors this week and what has the impact been positive or negative on your journey as a whole not your journey just as a triathlete but as a person and a professional because they all interconnect and you know because sometimes the prioritization might not be training it might be something else in fact I had an interesting conversation with an athlete this week about encouraging them not to have a conversation with me this week about their future goals their long-term goals because they were on holiday <laughs> I was like, look, you're on holiday. Just Could you just have a holiday and we'll talk about it next week when you're back from holiday, right? So prioritization is important. We've got to sometimes and, you know, make sure that other things take, take priority, are, are, are put ahead of, of, of our training. And sometimes we might have to think things have to be put ahead of work. But you still have to manage yourself through that. So anyway, so we measure our athletes' um, uh, level of accomplishment and their progression through their ability to execute these behaviours. And by managing that and developing those behaviours, coaching our athletes to execute these behaviours better, measuring their accomplishment that way, we find that they unlock more and more of their potential, but not just on their athletic journey, but across all three. And that has an exponential effect because they all support and complement each other. It's not about prioritising training over work. It's about finding the right balance between the two. So they both move forward effectively. Um, so we look at these four behaviours and we, we, we determine whether or not athletes, you know, are executing them well. We have that conversation with them. We decide together and then we keep moving their journey forward through the execution of these behaviours. Now, some athletes are inherently quite just quite good at these things. Some athletes are really good at prioritising without really necessarily having to have intervention or support from a coach. Some are people are really good at controlling the controllables. Some athletes are really good at goal setting. Some are really good at managing their level of commitment and motivation and actually these behaviors have been derived from observation of highly accomplished individuals individuals that we saw unlocking high levels of their potential across the corporate world the per- their personal lives and um, their athletic journey sometimes they were good at all three sometimes they were better at one than another but ultimately we observe these behaviors as a commonality across these individuals um, now when an individual is particularly good at one of these behaviors or maybe all of them, was mastered them to a point where they don't need a lot of intervention, they do it fairly naturally, we may start to look at other behaviours, subsidiary behaviours. We may have to look at those really early in the journey as well, if somebody has a particular challenge around one of those. So in your case, Lids, we had to work very heavily on change, didn't we? Change management early in your journey, because that's something you found really difficult. Neither of us are great at change, are we? No, not at all. You're probably better than me now, actually. No. Well, you all happily go to a different restaurant, I won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I probably will. But I have checked first where I think I like it. Yeah, I would do that, but still not go. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, the point is we did a lot of work with you around change, didn't we? And yeah. we did a lot of work with you around inner state management, didn't we? And we still do a lot around that now, yeah, don't we? Yeah, yeah. So obviously we look at other behaviours that could be important for individuals and we work on those with them too, if that's necessary. So that's how we approach our coaching with our individuals. Um, but there's obviously always an element of micromanagement across those those behaviours to make them effective. And of course, that has to come, that comes as a combination from the coachee and the coaches, the two things combined. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And of course, the other two behaviours that we work heavily on with our athletes are, there, are two behaviours that contribute to their level of coachability. So... The first of those is their transactional state. So are they able to interact and engage with themselves and with others in an adult state uh, consistently? 
know, do they are they able to avoid falling into a child state or a parent state? So if they've got people that maybe they they're they're responsible for supporting, can they avoid a parent state with them? Or if they choose a parent state, is it deliberate and deliberate to get a reaction that they need? And as a coachee themselves, can they avoid falling into a ch- child state? So either a nurturing, uh, sorry, either a needy child or um, a manipulative child state. And the parent states are um, controlling parent and nurturing parent. So can they avoid those states? So as a coachee, can they avoid a child state um, and maintain an adult state? So for example, when an, an athlete maybe has a bad race, sometimes it can be easy for them to fall into a childlike state, one where they're either stroppy, a manipulative child, or um, to disproportionately upset, yeah. needy child and needy reassurance. And of course, the challenge is to get people to get things into perspective and remain in an adult state. Uh, and um, so that's the first of the coachability behaviours. And then the second is the level of direction and support that they require. So support is things like motivation or emotional support. Direction is kind of showing them what they need to do. The steps and actions they need to take and we we engage our, our our coaches to try work on reducing the level of direction of sport continuously so that they can then add new things to their journey of learning so they can learn new things they can or they can take on bigger challenges 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 that test them more um maybe test their resilience more and their ability to maintain balance more maybe their ability to overcome fear more um they are encouraged to learn more things so they require less direction but then of course that then provides the opportunity to learn more and more and more again so we encourage people to reduce their direction of support on any given thing at any given time or any given part of their journey as low as they can so that their coach has to have the least amount of intervention but that 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 would require them to still micromanage themselves yeah yeah and the same with the behavioral piece the, the transactional um analysis piece the transactional state piece there's still an element of micromanagement there constantly checking yourself you know am i letting my emotions override my ride me or am i maintaining an adult state and again some people are very good at maintaining an adult state you know all the time lauren's fantastic she has a she might have a tendency for nurturing parent a bit might she but she's very adult most of the time isn't she, yeah, she is. um you and i not so um it's a development area. For both of us. Yeah. Yeah. So um, much to Lauren's frustration. So if you function in an adult state as much as Lauren does, and then you have to work with me and Lydia, it's tricky. But, um, and of course the problem for Lauren is that with me, I I literally go between a parent state and a child state within minutes, depending on the circumstances. <laughs> so anyway, so we encourage, we, we also measure the progression and level of accomplishment with our coaches through the assessment of their execution and mastery of those two behaviours. So th- there's six behaviours in total yeah. that we we measure their accomplishment on and based or based on their mastery or level of mastery of those behaviours. But if, the reality is that they never master them. It's always evolving and developing and continuing, isn't it? Um, and so I guess there's those behaviours themselves linked directly to um, a process whereby you're reducing the level of micromanagement that you might require because fundamentally through executing and implementing the behaviours, you're micromanaging yourself. And even if that micromanagement doesn't look like a a document 
or a piece of paper or a training plan online, even if it's something that you just do in your head, it's still micromanagement. You know, for the parents out there that that may be, you know, homemakers and, you know, take on that role of, you know, looking after their home, like their micromanagement level is remarkable. You know, Lauren's mum has assumed this role for the majority of her life and she her micromanagement's brilliant. Like she she knows exactly what she's going to do, what times a day, every single day, and she's all over everything, right? She, even though she doesn't have that written down, she she's still micromanaging herself to make sure that that happens. And um, you know, she might then micromanage the communication between the other people that impacts too. What time are you coming home from work? What time are you home from school? What have you got tonight? All these sorts of things. Um, and she's a wonderful micromanager of herself. Yeah. So, you know. We've got to, for me, I think that we, I personally think there's an opportunity to have a different spin on this and see it in a different way. And actually, if you can do that, certainly when I've seen people do that and when I've done that, I find it's actually really, really positive for me and really supports a progressive and developing, uh, developing an, an infinitely evolving journey. Um, I think you've probably found the same. Well, yeah, massively so, because like I think one of the key points that you raised was around that progressing not regressing yeah and being able to have the systems in place to constantly progress because this is where a lot of people get stuck isn't it those yeah. little cycles of frustration where they feel like they should be moving forward yeah. and, and aren't they yo-yo yeah. don't they yeah. yeah yeah and for me being able to understand it in this way of how i can micromanage myself effectively yeah has only helped to continue to progress forward. Yeah. Um, but also for me to then understand if there is a moment of regression, I've then got a process to look back on and I yeah. can understand where the pitfall was yeah. and then address it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it comes down to even the simplest things like having a healthy lifestyle, yeah. right? Having a healthy lifestyle requires micromanagement. You've got to eat the right things at the right times. You've got to sleep appropriately. Um, you've got to have sufficient downtime. You know, you've got to have sufficient time when you're mentally stimulated you've got to have sufficient time when you're physiologically stimulated you know all these things are important but you have to manage that you know you can't have an effective nutrition plan without micromanaging you can't just guess yeah right that's what happens if you do guess or you just eat what you want invariably that leads to health problems in one form or another right if i just ate what i want it would be chips from the chip shop and happy hippos, happy hippos. <laughs> um, and um, it probably wouldn't do me a lot of good right so I have to micromanage that process and sometimes we might ask someone else to do that for us someone who's got more expertise or perhaps will hold us to account but we don't see that negatively we don't go oh you know there's awful do we we, no. we crave it because yeah. we want that to be the case so you know I'm really good with, well, I'm, I'm really good I'm considerably better with my sleep now and my recovery metrics are much better these days than they were a few months ago and certainly a few years ago. But that's because I micromanage that process. I don't just go to bed when I feel like it without, you know, I, in fact, I'm just about to say something else, but I don't just go to bed when I feel like it. I have a process that ensures I get to bed at the right time. Mm. Right? And in fact, let's be honest, telling the time is a micro, like using time. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Let's yeah, just yeah, that. Yeah. Is micromanagement, yeah. right? Because otherwise what you do is you just wake up when it got light or when you woke yeah. up, like, like Logan does, yeah? yeah? And then you would just go with the flow through the day, right? Yeah. The fact we use a clock fundamentally is micromanagement, is it not? Well, it is, yeah. Like, I was just thinking, Someone might correct me on that, but well, it seems I, to me I, like it I is. I think it is, because like I, 
like years ago when I was doing my A levels and stuff, I used to write out time plans. Yeah. And um, about one. I, was I can imagine you. Oh gosh, they were all on the walls. Yeah, it was like it was will from in between. I can imagine you spent as much time doing your time <laughs> plans you did actually studying. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Well, I passed, and I said, "Don't worry about it." Yeah. Um, where did you go I be... to uni, by the way? I did my undergraduate at Loughborough. You... And then where? <laughs> I did a master's at Oxford. Oxford. You went to Oxford. Have you ever told anyone that? I like to keep it on the down. You've got a gold D of E as well, haven't you? Gold D of E. <laughs> Which also, you need to micromanage yourself because you, you write do. out your root cards. We were wondering whether but... <laughs> we should put D- Lydia's gold D of E uh, award logo on her her tri kit. We thought it would be. What well, I was going to say. We see all these D of E kits out. Oh, don't dear. we when we go out gravel ride they don't know who you are they, what's the point of doing gold dv if you're not like if you're not if you're not famous in the dv world well, i'm not in it for the fame <laughs> am i anyway what i was going to say is like during that time like yeah. i'd be really meticulous with following my time plans yeah. and wearing wearing my watch yeah and then as soon as i stopped i didn't wear a watch for a couple of weeks and that was kind of like a little yeah. rule i had for myself because yeah. yeah. to like switch off yeah. from not having to be like self micromanaging essentially yeah. around time. Yeah. So if you use a clock and you use a wall planner, you micromanage in some form or other, right? Yeah. Even yeah. like your data screens on your Garmin. If you're trying to regulate <laughs> like your heart rate, power output, yeah. like so yeah. you're not going too yeah. hard or too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Another exactly. form of micromanagement. So I totally get. So it's actually quite good fun. It is quite good fun. It? Yeah, exactly. So there we go. We've not only told you why it can be positive. We've actually shown you how it can be really good fun. Yeah. <laughs> we've completely changed your perspective. Well, Fun definition of fun. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I think, look, I, I, like a lot of things, it's all about, you know, how it's done, the context behind it, the purpose behind it, the why, funnily enough, Simon Sinek says, always start with why. Why are you doing it? Yeah. And, you know, what's the reason? And if the why is powerful enough, then it won't be something that's negative. And, um, uh, yeah, so like I said, it's just an evolution of a conversation we had the other day that we, we had with our other guys and... You know, when we raise this in our seminar, the initial reaction from everybody was, oh, no, I hate being micromanaged. I hate it. I hate it. It's horrible. It's terrible. All it does is damage. All it does is harm. It demotivates people. And by the end of the seminar, we've moved to a completely different place because we completely shifted the context and the perspective yeah. of it. And, of course, the other thing we mentioned was micro-coaching. Yes. Okay, copyright. 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 So if we've invented, if we've said this now, timestamps, that means it's ours, does it? Yeah, sure. Okay. We'll check that. I think it is. Someone told me that once. Anyway, so micro-coaching. And, and micro-coaching is a little bit little bit different in the, um, I suppose it's just a slightly adjusted version of micromanagement. And the way we use, we've been working on this lids and we need to sort of refine this a little bit more because it's literally a couple of weeks we've been talking yeah. about this, isn't it? Is whereby you provide me with basically the information about your journey professionally and athletically because those are the yeah. two bits I support you with and then my role is to come in and to talk to you about the information you provide me and rather than telling you what to do take you through a process of self-discovery where you can like where I feel that there might be gaps and opportunities to help you to have a look at whether that is the is right or not so rather than just coming in with an opinion or me setting you an agenda encouraging you to take autonomy over the goals the direction what the progression should or shouldn't look like so in fact if anything with you the micro coaching piece comes back to actually perhaps calming your expectation of progression down i know yeah it does yeah 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 Yeah. because i mean like even you try to do too much don't you oh my goodness so like last tuesday is actually probably a really good example Mm. of this of um 
I was had a really had an awesome weekend because I'd been up um, yeah. up in the north and doing bike fits for women all weekend. Cold up there. Yeah, it was. Yep. Like, actually, the temperature dropped in my car as I was going up, and I kept turning the heat up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so I like, had a really, really busy weekend, a little bit tired, but last Tuesday came in, and you kind of, like, we had a quick conversation, and it was like, well, I've done this, this, this today, and you're like, well, that's that's actually enough. You just need to, because I was tired, wasn't I? Oh, yes, that's right. And yeah. you, you said, just, this, just yeah. sit and have a nap. Yeah. And, like, I actually went, I panicked for a little bit in terms of, I was thinking, well, that doesn't feel like I've been productive enough in, in my yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And so it was kind of that micro-coaching the other way yeah. of you helping me to recognise, do you know what, I'd done as much as I, like, actually needed to and probably a little bit more than that day. Yeah. And actually the more productive thing for me to do was to take a nap for a bit yeah. um, and set myself up to go and um, have fun trying to drop you at group run, which... Yeah wasn't as effective as I thought it was going to be. No, but no. No, it, yeah, it wasn't. Was I was surprised. faster than you thought, I was, wasn't yeah, I? Yeah, I was a bit surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to know that one. I was like, oh, flipping heck, okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but that was quite useful because mm. we kind of had that process in place. If you knew yeah. where I was at, you knew what the numbers were at yeah. um, and everything else. And it was more of a, right, do you know what? Actually, you've done loads today. Yeah. So I try and do too much. And then that leads to this point of like yeah. that sort of feast and famine which you talked about at the start as well yeah that's right i forgot about that so the micro coaching piece was really about helping you consider your perspective your position at that moment in time and what the most value-adding behavior would be for you at that moment yeah um and of course but to do that i had to have all the information yeah didn't i, I couldn't base that I couldn't even ask you the right questions without having all the information. Yeah. So the micro bit is having all the information. And that means that I'm really close to what you're doing all day. So you send me like a, a document each week about your business, don't you? And the yeah. different parts to it. I have access to your diary. Yeah. So I have access to your Outlook calendar, but I also have access to your training diary. And in your training diary, you um, have overlap with your Outlook, don't you? So yeah. you record some yeah, of your business of my... stuff in your yeah. training diary. So Lydia records her um a lot of her business appointments yeah. um in her training calendar so that i can see the the time into interactions of the different things and because i have all of that information it allows me to be aware of what you're doing and any and and then connect that with my sort of subjective assessment of where you're at in the day because you're generally around pre- present physically yeah. present yeah in around studio. where we are yeah I can then obviously help guide you, but I'm not managing you. I'm coaching you, yeah. but I am micro coaching you because what I'm doing last week, it was like a decision. I think it was at like, I don't know. It was like five to three or something. Something, when it, like, something that. like that. And I was like, three-ish. yeah. And I was like, right, you've got, you know, it, it, that was literally the only window. If I hadn't talked to you at that moment in time, quickly had enough awareness already of what you were doing. I wouldn't have been able to give you the support an encouragement to consider taking that break and it really t- transformed the day didn't it yeah yeah i mean the yeah. following uh interactions i had appointments i had yeah. and then group run session training yeah. i had yeah yeah it was a game changer i think that day for yeah. me yeah so and, and, and it's other things isn't it as well like you know of course i'm always aware of you know a lot of the training because we do a lot of the training we do together but you know one of the things that are biz because I'm aware of what training you've done what appointments you've got you record your recovery metrics in your training calendar as well don't you so I know how well you have or haven't slept the night before training Um, and because I know all of that when we're training I can coach you in a way that I wouldn't be able to if I didn't have all of that information available 
Um, and obviously in your case, but unique because we do train together most of the times. So that yeah. helps, doesn't it? But with a lot of our athletes, we still have this information. Mm. A lot of this information, it makes it easier. Sometimes I won't intervene because I think the coaching intervention is to let you make a mistake yeah. that is inconsequential, but a mistake. Um, or I don't necessarily know what the outcome of a decision will be, so I just let you make it let to see. Or I'll intervene because I think it's actually better to intervene, you know, like I did last week with the sleep piece. Yeah. But even then, it wasn't my decision, it was still yours. Yeah. yeah. So the micro-coaching piece is about that. It's about being really, really tight to what your coaches are doing, making sure as coaches that you're really, um, really... Uh, communicative with your coach about what it is that your RR doing, allowing your coach that opportunity to be able to coach you in every area of what you're doing, you know, as often as possible, you know, the tiniest little interactions. And of course, this is why co- coaching camps can be so useful. Yeah. Because you have that ability. And of course, in a lot of team sports, I've been watching a lot of American football the last two years, and, you know, the amount of information the coaches have and know about their players is amazing and of course they spend so much time together they know so much don't they and and that that's really important I think so that's the micro coaching piece for me and of course one of the things that we do to to support that is make sure that we don't coach many athletes so you're obviously coaching for us I obviously coach yeah. for passion fit and Lauren is a head coach Lauren has the most athletes but she also doesn't have as big a training commitment of her own does she as no. you and I do but um um, you know, we, 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 we fundamentally have between sort of six and 10 athletes, six and 12. Yeah. Lauren probably has 12 at any given time. It's a maximum. Yeah. And you and I would probably have somewhere between six and six 10. And 10 yeah. Um, you know, six allows us to provide a much better, um, coaching experience, but, um, unfortunately commercially there's, there's, a, there's a, a limit, you know, we can't just coach four people because it's great. <laughs> we can give them more time um because we can't charge four people enough to make enough money that's the point isn't it yeah there has to be a balance yeah so that's but that's one of the one of the things that we do to make sure we approach it that way and also we're very um uh uncompromising on our expectation with athletes communication aren't we yeah that helps that yeah yeah. so like you know we expect them to inform us about as much as they possibly can not to leave out information and their timelines something you said to me once as well is like that piece around communication Mm. it's like because i always say to my athletes that you basically get to the point where you can't ask enough questions like if you've if you've got to the point where i'm telling you to stop asking questions like that's probably about a good sign um like obviously not stupid ones the same with that communication you can't tell me enough yeah and what's going on because that's yeah. if you inform me then i can help to support you in the best possible way yeah so it's the same sort of approach isn't it if i'm the coach the yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah, like yeah. the more communication you can give us the more questions you ask the more we can yeah. support you yeah exactly so you you almost can't provide too much information i mean there is a line and we'll help you understand what information <laughs> to provide or not i mean we used to get like we still get it you know the athlete that in their session feedback tells you which brand of coffee they had in the morning that's important information and what the sun what the sunrise looked like while they were having it less so coffee is important but 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 but, you know but also sometimes you'd be surprised at how important that piece of information is yeah so and of course we one of the reasons we use the train exhale platform is because it has that more um sort of qualitative yeah feedback setup yeah um the data's there but actually the qualitative piece is the piece that sort of stands out doesn't it on that format and that's the bit we're looking for but also you know 
our athletes are asked to load in all their holidays for the year you know any commitments they might have with their family so you know kids parties weddings all these things because if you don't have that information how can you coach properly exactly yeah Yeah. so it's really really important you know athletes are expected to you know one of the kind of sayings we have is your session isn't finished till you've updated your training calendar with the session feedback so we'd rather athletes cut their session short by five or ten minutes to do their feedback than didn't do the feedback because when an athlete feeds back one of the things that we want to do is make sure we pick that up before their next session and that next session could be four or five hours later because we want to make sure that that it, if there's a coaching intervention required or a bit of coaching support required that happens um before the athlete moves on to the next session to maximize the opportunity from the next session or maybe maximize the opportunity from not doing the next session yes yeah. the other really important one isn't it that is a really important one yeah so, I think we've covered everything off, haven't we? I like that one. You liked that one, did you? We'll yeah. see what other people think. So, um, hopefully my ranting fan... I don't know if I was too ranty. It wasn't today, too ranty, No, it wasn't, think. was it? Maybe I need so to... So, we're not going to get the... Uh, my ranting fan. <laughs> the I'm, likes. I might not, so... But, um, uh, yeah, I hope that was useful. Um, again, as always, comments, feedback, let us know. If there's anything you'd like us to talk about, let us know. We we thought that one... We, we've been thinking that one was quite interesting. It's quite a new idea for us, so... Yeah. Um, talking about it is not so easy because we haven't talked about it that much before but hopefully you found it interesting yourselves and maybe it will just change your perspective on that um, because um, yeah it was just like I say it was a very interesting one wasn't it fascinating okay well, thanks for your listening Thank you guys. and what you've got to do you've got to like subscribe share you've got it? It. Is that it you nailed it is it <laughs> 17 episodes in and you've got that like subscribe and share and like i said any questions thoughts comments uh let us know good job take care